think if everyone was in alignment, the entire world would be a much happier place and we wouldn't see conflict like we do. We wouldn't see aggression like we do. All of these negative human traits that manifest all come from a lack of self-awareness, self-control, self-understanding. And I just wish for humanity that we could do that. Hello and welcome to the Mind to Lead podcast. I'm Georgie Hubbard and I am on a mission to help you live a level 10 life. If you want to live an extraordinary life, a life full of passion and energy, of joy and abundance, then this is the podcast that teaches you how to do just that. Through my conversations with some extraordinary leaders and my own life experiences, I come to you weekly with all of the teachings, and steps you need to take your life to the next level. So if you are ready to develop the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind to Lead podcast. Today I am honored as I'm sat down with two extraordinary entrepreneurs, Aaron Birkby and Peter Ellis. Amazing to have you both here. How are you both today? Really good. Very well, thank you. So we were supposed to do this conversation face to face, but unfortunately that couldn't happen. Um, But look, we're still doing this online, which is amazing. So for the audience who don't know who you are, could you both just give a little bit of an introduction to your backgrounds? What brought you together and what uh, Tribe Global is? Sure. So most of my life I've been an entrepreneur. So I started a number of businesses uh, predominantly tech, uh, mostly in software, a couple of hardware companies. Uh, my main business, I took global over the um, space of about nine years and then exited that in 2012. And since then, I've had the luxury of getting to play in the startup ecosystem. So ran a startup hub down on the Gold Coast for three years, uh, then stepped over and uh, was part of the uh, Mira D Accelerator Program at River City Labs, uh, which is where I first came really to get to know Peter when she was the general manager there. And then for three years, ran Startup Catalyst, so doing all the international missions, taking Aussie entrepreneurs overseas to places like Silicon Valley, Israel, London, Berlin, to really change the way they think and to open their minds to thinking a bit more aspirationally. Uh, and then, but really, like in, in the last seven years, just working with a lot of entrepreneurs, just realised that most of the mentoring and coaching was really helping them with their mindset. And uh, this is why Peter and I founded first peak persona uh, two and a half years ago and now Tribe Global to really help individuals uh, unlock their potential and actually realise their potential, which um, I think a lot of things we'll be talking about today will will come out of that sort of experience as well. But yeah, really fun space. And thank you very much for having me on today. It's an absolute pleasure. And how about you, Peter? Yeah, look, it's it's been a fascinating twisty roller coaster journey of how I even came into the either the entrepreneurship space but also innovation but I've always been in business myself um, much uh, well before I thought it was um, I was an entrepreneur or, or qualified as being a startup or a founder I just started businesses when I had ideas really so when I did find the entrepreneur community I did feel very much at home and that's where I found River City Labs where I ended up becoming CEO um, and I worked there for uh, eight years and then got very heavily involved in the startup and innovation ecosystem, mostly in Queensland, but also across Australia when we were acquired by um, a national company who enabled us to expand into three different states. Um, but in that time, like Aaron explained, we saw the 
potential and also the benefits of working with entrepreneurs and founders really around their lifestyle, their routines and their, their mindset, in addition to them working with them as mentors and um, program facilitators on the idea and the business side of it. But really what we learned was the um, help and the assistance and the guidance in their lifestyle and their mindset and their um, their framing really of what it is that they're doing and why. And that is really what we do now every day in Peak Persona, which is our program arm of Tribe Global. And then the greater, uh, the bigger company, Tribe Global, really is connecting those individuals, making sure they feel connected and have uh, a tribe of like-minded people around them on the journey. Amazing. And you've just touched on something there that I'm also super passionate about, which is that whole community, who you surround yourself with, who your support network is. So I'd love to get your thoughts on how important is it to surround yourself with like-minded people who are also trying to better themselves every day, start a business. Is that is that key to success? It's, uh, I would say it's number one, uh, because... It is one of those, I think, with entrepreneurship or uh, being a creative and that we also need to include creatives in this because it's being creative in different in different areas, whether you're creative in being innovative and having new ideas or having an, a creative outlet. And um, all creatives really are entrepreneurial in some essence, um, some more business-focused than other, others, and they're the ones that tend to get that entrepreneurship title. It's really about finding the, the people who are into the same thing as you, who understand the way that your mind operates, and it's not the same for everybody. And with a new venture or a business or something that's taking up majority of your time in both uh, in your actual waking hours but also just in your mindset and your mind, you're often thinking about something 24-7. And it's very difficult for those around you um, who, who don't share the same passion or interest to understand why you do that. And having a tribe around you or a community of people who support that, it can fast-track your own personal growth, but it can fast-track the growth of the company because you don't waste so much time trying to explain to everyone all the time why it is that you're doing something. They just get it and they can work with you and it's very encouraging and supporting to feel a part of something and not feel so strange sometimes. Anything to add to that incredible answer, Aaron? No, I, I think it's really critical. I mean, you know, you would have heard of the studies that say that we're the, the sum average of the five people closest to us. And you know, really, when you look at entrepreneurship and every day having to step into the unknown and step into a situation that you're not comfortable with, you don't know how to execute in, you had never been there before. And I think many people rely on their family and friends, but that's that's quite a burden to expect of those other relationships. So surrounding yourself with a tribe of people where you have a safe space to have the honest conversations and to be more vulnerable and to learn from their experience and, and reflect with one another is just such an empowerful way, phenomenal way to grow and actually see your own patterns of behaviour represented in others so that you can actually self-realise, understand who you are as well. Absolutely. And I think now more than ever, who we surround ourselves with is really important, especially with all of the negativity, the uncertainty that's going on in the world. So for those people who are stuck at home with the family and perhaps are struggling at this time, they're not around their usual positive people. What advice would you give to them who are struggling right now? Yeah, well, the, the beauty of this phase right now is the number of communities that have switched online. 
So whereas previously, uh, you know, a lot of these groups were face-to-face or would meet and interact face-to-face, now by virtue of this experience, they've gone online. So suddenly we have access to a lot more communities. We can actually, it's a bit of a levelizer too. I mean, if you're in a regional location that previously had very little support or community around entrepreneurship, now you can access communities globally. So I actually think it's never been easier to connect into those communities. And, and what I would say is experiment. Go and connect into lots of different communities and, and find the people who are your tribe. And we all know that feeling when you find your people and, and just the, the sense of being home when you find them. Um, but, yeah, hunt them out. They, they're there waiting uh, with open arms to greet you. So. And in terms of any good platforms where you can find the communities, any advice of where people can go? There are so many platforms. Um, I think social media is really important for this, uh, and it depends what what you're natural in. In terms of don't go um, into things where you don't feel comfortable and have to start from scratch. But if you're already on Instagram or if you're on Twitter or if you're in Facebook or if you're on LinkedIn, um, there are are groups within all of those social media platforms that already exist. And it's just a matter of searching for your local area, perhaps even to see if they've got an online group, even searching entrepreneur communities, business owners. There are so many out there and it's, it's either going to feel right or it doesn't. And it's usually... It's one of those things where you might need to try a few to see if there's a fit there for you, if the conversations that they are having either align with you and your values, if they're people that are into the same things as you, because it's not always just about business. It is, you can have an entrepreneurial mindset and you could be into mountain biking and you really need to, uh, you know, have a common shared interest and it's not always about business. I think that's really important to focus or to, to remind people that you don't need to do this 24-7 to be a successful business person. You do. It's important to still have those outside interests and connect with the human, human to human first and then uh, interest and, and um, business second. 100%. And I can vouch that because when I first started my first business, I was all about the hustle, sleep when you're dead, pulling in the 12-hour shifts and you know, I began to actually to burn out, it wasn't sustainable for me. So I'm a big believer in finding balance. But there's other people who think it's a bit of a, you know, illusion. So I love to hear what your thoughts are on finding balance. And yeah, how should people go about it? (laughs) We we, we 100% believe there is a balance because that's what we promote in our programs. And look, I think the, 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 the theory of balance is the problem. Because there's no such thing that fits everybody. I know people who really do work, you know, 12, 13-hour days, sleep three hours a night and are thriving and are very happy to do that. And they've got an amazing balance. Then there's people who really need a lot of sleep and have a lot of social time and don't work as much and have a really successful business. So everybody needs to find what works for them. And it is not a one-size-fits-all. And you can still have a very happy family and a thriving business and the other way around. Um, Often it's just working out what fits for you and your environment because everybody's situation is different. Um, The roles within relationships are different. The roles within business are different. And the age of your kids, if you have them, all of these requirements are variables and they're changing all the time. All you can do is be get get better at dealing with change because the situation changes all the time. Whether it's your home life, whether it's your business life, as we've just learned, a massive global shift just happened where we all had to we had to change. There was no option. Uh, we had to change everything that we did, and 
we had to settle in a place where we were okay with that and move to a new way of doing things. And if anything, it's it's training. I think entrepreneurs are really good in adapting and changing with, with the times and with situations and with the environment. Um, it's just another challenge. We, we consider it as a challenge and you just have to move through and look for a new way. Um, so if anything, that balance is an ongoing thing that it's conscious to be aware of what your personal needs are. And the, the number one thing is to look after what you need as a human and as an individual first and then deal with the rest later. Yeah, I think we misunderstood, uh, misunderstand balance. We use it in the wrong way. I, I much prefer to think of it as alignment. So if we're, if we're in alignment with ourselves, then the balance will, I think, flow from that. And, and alignment is, is the you know, alignment of our actions with our intent. And I think the challenge is we, we sell this vision of entrepreneurship like this expectation that we're supposed to work 100 hours a week and we're supposed to all be building unicorn companies. But when you actually come back to what's your why, What's your personal life goal? And for so many entrepreneurs, they build the event horizon of success. As one day in the future, I'm going to exit. But when you actually break that down, why do you want that? It's, it's freedom because they want more family time. They want more autonomy. And the reality is if they get, got rid of the business, they would actually have that right now. Mm. So once you understand your why and then you act in alignment with like the intent that aligns with that why, then that's when we're free. Mm. And that's what freedom is when you can be authentically yourself. And out of that, balance will come. But I think we have the concepts, the wording, the language, the culture is all sort of around the wrong way. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, we do live in a society where we have a ten tendency to think when this thing happens, I'll be happy. And then when that thing happens, we wonder why we don't feel any happier. Because obviously, as we all know, happiness comes from the day-to-day -day moments in life. So love to know what you what, what advice would you give to people who do want to become more self-aware is there any habits routines or questions that they could be asking themselves to develop their self-awareness yeah completely so but like i'm sure peter's about to give the exact same answer but the one straight off the bat is um self-reflection I don't think most people um, actually have a practice of self-reflection. One of the things we do in our programs is get the participants end of every day to stick their phone in front of their face and just talk to the camera for three minutes. And it's about how they feel, not about what they did, but how did you feel today? And, you know, through random tasks like getting participants to make their bed and then talking about how it made them feel when they walk back in the room, they have these weird unlocks because it's, otherwise we go through life constantly reacting to the world around us constantly being told what to do. You know, we, we all arrive at work at a set time. We all eat at the same time. We all do these things. We respond to emails. But if you actually take a moment to pause and actually check back in with yourself and your body and how am I thinking and how am I feeling and what is my internal dialogue saying every single day and every moment to myself? And it turns out we probably wouldn't say those things to other people and yet here we are saying them to ourselves. Suddenly through that process, and particularly if you can do it with a group, as to Peter's point before, like your tribe, um, and then bounce those reflections off each other, suddenly you start becoming more aware. And then you start to understand, well, this is my why. And actually, this is what I want. It's not just constantly responding. If I had the choice, this is what I would choose. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one process uh, that you could use, just active reflection. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, and it's, it is, uh, it's a lot about truth and honesty um, because when you're doing that every day, there is... I mean, we tell ourselves lots of amazing stories and it is often you just operate on autopilot. So having that daily check-in is to, to talk about how you're feeling because we do often just go through the motions 
And like Aaron said, it's not often our intent or our intent is that, but doesn't really end up being where we want it to be. So that daily check-in is it's like a little daily truth bomb on how you're feeling. But then also being really honest about what you want and being okay with saying it out loud. And I think getting comfortable with that. Because often we will have a vision in our head of what we want, but what we're doing is something really different just simply because we can't admit it. We've got a lot of judgments around that and a lot of conditioning and a lot of um, societal conditioning that you, often we don't know is there until you dig a little deeper and understand why you do some things that you just were brought up that way and you've adapted other people's um, social norms opposed to what you would actually really like yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think reflection is a key part in developing your self-awareness and one that I do myself every single day. So on that, I'd love to know what you both do day to day. If if you've got any habits or routines that you are non-negotiable for you, are you early risers? I'd love to hear about how you start your day. So Aaron, let's perhaps start with you. Heaps. So <laughs> there's no one magic bullet. I mean, at the end of the day, um, this is a, a practice that requires lots of things um, re- like continuously utilized. So, uh, and, and the other thing I'd say is, you know, in it, through our programs, we have eight modules in Peak Persona and every single one of them is something that Peter and I practice daily or at least on a regular basis. doesn't mean we get them right every day. It doesn't mean there's days where we don't want to sleep in and just not do them. But for me, absolutely the pre-dawn, like waking up um, an hour earlier than I have to. In fact, it's about two hours earlier than I would otherwise have to and using that time completely for myself. So this is this is my time to get my head into the right space. I use it for exercise, recently started yoga. Um, I, I try and consume audio books in that time. But it's, it's about getting myself 100% ready for the day and, and, and then starting my day with my intent rather than being woken up my, by my kids or someone else making a demand of me. Um, but, yeah, so pre-dawn exercise, music would absolutely be my top three and then the tribe that I surround myself with so that the peer group, the community, uh, that the people I can go to when I, I need to check in but who also will call me out on stuff, like they'll, they'll hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, look, mine, mine is uh, extremely similar and that is why we came up with Peak Persona because we, we already did have were living a way that we could, you know, often I've always had a really strong morning routine for since my early twenties, I have been doing pre-dawn forever. Um, and I, I'm a very routine driven person and I, I know what works for me physically. I know what I need to get into the right headspace, but also different modes of action. So to be even to be able to work from home, uh, you know, to dress for work and uh, opposed to being at home and, um, addressing as if it was a weekend. These sort of things which I, I, I've known and been doing for many years um, are things that are non-negotiables for me, the morning routine of getting up uh, early so I can fit my exercise in before the kids wake or anybody needs me. Um, it is absolutely non-negotiable. Um, so, you know, I've what I did learn recently that I have also started a yoga journey and often I can be really struggling to get into a certain pose and I get angry. I'm like, how, how is this woman doing this on the, on the screen on YouTube? And then I realize I'm having the exact same re- reaction that our participants have when they're listening to us talking about getting up and really early and they're just finding it so hard. But what they don't realize is we've been doing this for so many years, just like my yoga teacher has been practicing for 10, 15 years so of course she's really good at that pose, which I'm half falling over. So it's just time, it's consistency, 
we're not born magically different, just very um, disciplined in making it a routine. And that and that's the difference is how committed are you to yourself to know what you need and be able to do it every day repetitively? And it takes time. That's what it comes down to. There is no magical fix. You can't get this right in a month. You can't do a 30-day boot camp and have, you know, a body ready ready to go into a weightlifting competition. You know, all of these things take a lot of time. And the problem is that's not what people want to hear. You know, they want to hear the get rich quick and the get six-pack abs in six weeks. And it obviously doesn't happen like that. So I'd love to know what excuses and blockers you hear often. You know, what are people saying of why they can't succeed? Or time, time. Time is always, they were, I don't have time to do that. Or, I, you know, my, I'm too busy or I don't have time to fit that in. It's like, well, neither of us, nobody does. That's why we wake up at four because the day starts at six. So where else do you, you can't create more than 24 hours in the day. So where do you find the extra bits? So if you want to do read more books, then like Aaron said, you slot some time in the morning and you get up early and you dedicate an hour to reading. Or if, or if you want to learn yoga, then you actually have to start. So starting anything is actually doing a small little thing, what we call them, um, you know, micro acts of anything to start uh, towards a bigger goal and, and finding and making the time and committing to it uh, for a consistent period of time so that it does, it's not in short bursts where you will lose momentum. How about you, Aaron? What are your thoughts on the biggest blockers that people have? <laughs> it's it's all our internal dialogue. Uh, so, look, we we are the subject of our experiences. All of us have been programmed uh, to respond to the world in a certain way. And uh, some of us, if we're told what to do, we want to rebel against it. Some of us, if we're told we can't do something, there's nothing more motivating to make us do it. So, once we understand ourselves and our triggers, we can start getting out of our own way. But uh, we recently ran a, a next level program, which is like the, the top level program um, in peak persona. And it, it's hard, it's challenging, it's confronting. People are forced every single day to be out of their comfort zone and do things they don't want to do. And we actually mapped the 10 reasons that everyone came up with. Like when you break them all down, there's, there's 10 fundamental reasons. And a lot of it is um, just basically refusing. Like we're choosing not to. And, and this is what it comes back to intent. Like, what is your intent? If you're clear on your intent and then you have action to follow it, you'll be able to achieve whatever you want to achieve. The problem is most of us got, get stuck in between. So there's some techniques like, um, you know, Mel Robbins 54321. So whenever you have to do something you don't want to do, don't give yourself time to even think about it. Just count that down backwards from five and lean into it and do it. And the other thing I'd say is anytime there's something you are afraid of, that you're fearful of, that's a sign that you should do it. And... and like Peter said, you do it through micro acts of bravery. So breaking down big tasks into small things. Every single day, just commit to doing 10 minutes of something. Um, the, the yoga that Peter was talking about, like, I'm horrendously not flexible <laughs> my legs and lower back. And it is embarrassing, but I've committed to do half an hour every single day. And it's it's having an impact. It does, it, you get there. But you need to be able to do that with, with everything. You need to be able to do it with your self-talk, for example, as well. And what the other thing I'd say here is, is gratitude. Like really, all, all of us, are, we, we're listening, we're trying to do all these things, and ultimately what we're trying to achieve is contentment. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to be content and happy. Mm-hmm. And the, the best practice for that, if you look at all the research and data, it comes down to an active practice of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So how do you instill every single day multiple techniques for practicing gratitude to improve your contentment? And then you'll find your self-talk goes away, mm-hmm. you, your head's clearer, your morning alignment, and you tend to do what you commit to doing. Mm-hmm. 
I completely agree. In fact, my husband and I, we have a, a daily ritual. The alarm goes off at six o'clock every evening as we sit down to eat our dinner and we just ask ourselves, you know, what have you been grateful for? What, what do you appreciate today? And you just feel good. But I often get asked, well, Georgie, how do you stay so positive, you know, when things aren't going, aren't going well? And how can I be grateful when I've lost my job? So, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on on the whole gratitude piece and if somebody is listening to this right now and struggling to appreciate anything in their life what advice would you give i think it's and you can get really overwhelmed yeah. as well it, it's overwhelming with everything that's going on and, and looking to what you can actually do to contribute or to actively um, approach it differently because there's there's a lot of things that we can't we can't fix big problems but we can um look at them differently uh, and and look at things that are right in front of you. And it might not be what you think you should be grateful for, but there's, you know, I, I do this regularly with my own kids and we had a lot of discussions around the time uh, lockdown, obviously with our homeschooling, we had a lot of time together and um, just talking about the basic things that we have a house, you know, we, we have a house where, where we can go to bed each night and just look at the, the things that are in your immediate focus whether it is we can turn the tap on and water comes out and we drink it. So it, it needs to go back to the super, super human basic needs, not the big, huge, um, you know, global issues. Of course, it's not it's not ideal and it's not a great place to be in. You can get really weighed down the negativity, but being really actively grateful for the things that, um, I mean, we have a really good life in Australia. We are very privileged and... So it's being able to focus on some of those things, I think, is really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, it, and there's two techniques I'd add. Or one is um, to actually find people in a worse situation than you because we build up in our heads. You know, we project from this negativity the worst-case scenarios. We, 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 we're naturally fear-based creatures unless we program against it. But when you see someone is in a worse situation or, like for me recently, my, my son went to hospital on a random night and it just completely recalibrated my frame. It's, that's right. I have all this, like to Peter's point, I have all this to be grateful for. Um, but the other thing that's been a bit of a, well, quite a large shift for me recently is to reframe every moment. So anytime something happens to you, flip it where you see it as happening for you. And every moment, no matter how bad the, the incredible adversity, the pain, the trauma, it's an opportunity for growth. And when you flip it that way, suddenly every moment has a positive aspect to it. And the question then becomes, how might I use this for my benefit? How might I grow from this? What's the opportunity in this moment to learn and grow and become a better human? And so I think um, that for me was a real paradigm shift that's just completely flipped how I look at moments now. I absolutely love that. And I keep on saying to myself, am I going to go through this or grow through this? And I do believe that there is lots of opportunities out there for people that choose to look, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, do you think it's a good time right now to be starting a business or should people be holding off? You know, what, what's your thoughts? I think it's always the right time to be doing it. <laughs> I think that's Aaron would yes. say the same thing. Only because if you, the moment you have, the thought is just just do, you, you're in the right frame of mind you have got the right energy and if you've got the right idea it's about having a go who, who knows where it ends up and with a pandemic or not or whatever else is happening in the world if if there's a right fit um 
and you have the ability to, to grow with the business as well because there's a level of upskilling required. It's, it's all... It's one thing to have an idea or see an opportunity, especially at times like this, but you need to understand what's required of you to upskill yourself as well in the um, in the language of business and the skill set to make sure that you can grow with the business and, and deliver as well. So, there, But there's never been a better time. There are so many resources online. There are so many tools to get up and running. There are um, The world is hungry for new ways of doing things right now. We are more open than ever as customers to changing the way we did things and trying new platforms, new services, new ways of engagement, new methods of communication, uh, new styles of education. So there is a big shift. We're more open than ever. Um, I think bigger companies are now also looking to smaller agile companies on how to serve their customers better. So I think it's a great time. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Everything Peter said, I think, you know, right now, by nature of the environment we're all in, people are more accepting of, I don't want to say a lower standard, but you know what I mean? Like things can be a bit rough and ready in the current climate because everyone's everyone knows everyone's doing their best. So right now, if you launch a product and it's a bit scrappy or you launch a service and it's a bit not quite perfect, people are far more accommodating. Like, look at all of us. We're, we're broadcasting live from our bedrooms and our lounge rooms every single day at the moment, dressed however, and it's perfectly... Yeah, this wouldn't have happened before. No. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you wanted to record a video on, on and put it up on YouTube, you probably would have done it in a green room or a studio and thought that that's what you need to do. Whereas now it's just like, I'll just get Aaron and Peter on the phone, they'll stream from their house, we'll put it up on YouTube because that's the, we're here for the content. And all yeah. of a sudden the rest of the, inf the details which would have mattered before don't matter anymore because we realise what we're here for and you just get on with it. And I think it's it's levelled and equalised the playing field a lot, which is be, which would be really powerful. And how do you think it's going to change the whole startup scene? Are entrepreneurs going to really have to innovate, come up with more creative ideas? I'd Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think we'll see through this phase a, a burst of new businesses that launch. Um, I, I say that because if you look historically, moments of adversity, like economic adversity, but also you know, societal adversity, have always spawned the greatest level of innovation and growth. So I think there'll be more businesses launched through this phase than before. Admittedly, a lot will disappear. It'll be a transition. But also, I mean, look, a number of the companies that or founders that I coach and you know our members are all reporting raising significant rounds at the moment. So investors are still investing. And I think what we'll see happen is a shift of capital. I think absolutely coming out of this, um, depending on you know, the stimulus packages, depending on how different economies move at different rates, um, there'll be, there's never a shortage of funding for good ideas, good founders solving real problems that are really felt by people. I think will always find capital if they need it. Yeah, I totally agree. And in terms of somebody sitting at home right now wanting to start a business, what advice would you give to them? How should they start? Where should they go? Love to hear your thoughts on this. One thing that I noticed a lot of people don't do enough of in the beginning is research comp competition. Mm. See who is doing what in the sector you're interested in right now. So if you've got an idea, go and find all of the other people who are doing that right now. Because a lot of people will forge ahead and then realise there's 25 other people doing it. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing when you find competition because it proves that it's a problem worth solving, there's other people in the space and it's, there's a market for it. But what you don't want to do is come out exactly the same with a very different, a very little difference in what you're offering. So it's, I think 
research first spend spend all of your time doing that go deep into and this is just not just locally i'm talking globally because now we're online world all business is global so go and look at what every country is doing in this space um what platforms they're using and, and spend the time talking asking delving deeper uh, and then working out if that's still what you want to do how could you be just that little bit different um, is there a language you'd use is there a certain niche you'd chase or would you be you know better faster cheaper more sustainable more economical whatever it might be that's just going to give you that little edge um, because the rest the doing part is a process that you know there is so much content online there are online courses there is youtube videos galore there are you don't need to spend money on it. You, you just need to start doing something. Mm -hmm. Just begin. Yeah, I, th I think that's the key point mm -hmm. is, is just do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at everything that you ever want to achieve in life in any form, what stops most people back is, is an external. They, they think it's extrinsic. They, 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 they think they point to, I'll do it when X, Y, Z happens. And often one thing is this search, well, I need credentials. In order to be able to do this, I need to go and study. I need to go and learn. I need the degree. I need whatever. I need to do my MBA. And all of that is actually just an excuse. Yeah. Anytime we point to something external as to why we're not doing something, it's actually just fear-based. We're avoiding doing it. So the best thing to do is just start. Pick up the phone, talk to a potential customer and discover their problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where to start through conversation. Mm -hmm. Just talk to potential customers. I absolutely love it. So final question. I'd love to know the legacy that you both would like to leave. So Aaron, let's start with you. This, I love this question. Actually, Peter and I haven't spoken about this much in a business context, but look, absolutely. I, um, I think for me, it's it's unlocking people's uh, potential to Damn find... It. I wish you wouldn't say that one. <laughs> I was like, uh, what is he going to say? Yeah, just unlocking people's potential to, to be self-aware. Like, I, I think if everyone was in alignment the entire world would be a much happier place and we wouldn't see conflict like we do. We wouldn't see aggression like we do. All of these negative human traits that manifest all come from a lack of self-awareness, self-control, self-understanding. And I just wish for humanity that we could do that. So that for me would be our legacy. <laughs> Sounds like one of those world peace pictures at a thing, but yeah. Yeah, it's just about that, the unlock the untapped potential. We do talk, we talk a lot about untapped potential and leaving um, leaving something on the table when there's way more to give and and, and uh, helping people identify what they do have left in the tank when they think they've gone and done everything they can. There's always a bit more. Um, so th th And that comes back to that self-reflection piece or the honesty with yourself to know what's actually possible and, and allowing people to get to the place where they can see it themselves. Completely agree. I absolutely love that. And finally, where can people find you both? Where are you most active? We're on um, all the socials. Probably Twitter's our most active, though, for both of us. Yeah, Twitter. Sorry. Yeah, Twitter for me definitely um, is where we're most active. And but LinkedIn for because we do a lot. You know, the, the business language. Uh, LinkedIn, tw Twitter more so for conversational. Mm -hmm. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Oh, we're very accessible. <laughs> 
Well, we'll put all the links into uh, the podcast show notes. So your website, your social channels, so people will be able to access you. And anyone who's listening to this right now, go and check Peter and Aaron out. They are extraordinary people, amazing entrepreneurs. And it's been an absolute honor to chat with them today. Um, I do a Fab Five on a Friday and I write down all of my key points. And um, I've got a whole notepad here full. So I don't know how I'm going to get this podcast into five minutes of my key takeaways. So it's going to be quite challenging. So you're writing... (laughs) I saw you writing things down. I was like, oh, I wonder what's she writing yeah, down? Yeah, <laughs> just like, well, well, we did like a little introduction. So I'm like, what, what bit am I going to use? It's like so many. I've got a notepad full. But no, honestly, thank you so much for your time. I've had so many amazing takeaways. I'm sure the audience has as well. And yep, have an incredible day. And uh, I look forward to hopefully speaking with you both again very soon. Take care. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.